It is. I'm Charles Holmes from The Ringer Music Show. And I'm Cole Kushner from Dissect. And Charles and I are teaming up to create Last Song Standing, a new show where we determine an artist's single best song by debating our way through their entire catalog. And for our first season, we're covering Kendrick Lamar. We're talking Good Kid to Pimple Butterfly, Damn, Mr. Morale, the mixtapes, the Lucy's, and the features. Listen to Last Song Standing on the Dissect podcast feed only on Spotify. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer. A Spotify original. Yeah. This is episode 135. Ah, so close. 134. 134. I thought so. I thought so. I even have it. You yourself there, didn't you? I even have have it written down as 134 Ah. in my notes. So there it is. There it is. How was the weekend (laughs) for everybody? Everybody good? Jesse, Tony, everybody cool? You guys enjoyed? I love the Sunday pod because you get to have two days of life and hopefully not just content (laughs) happens, but you, you know, you roll into the Sunday pod with, with a different kind of energy, right? Different kind of vim and vigor. Um, I, uh, I played in a charity softball game. Okay. Uh, and boy, Boy, am I not a baseball player in the least. And it's so crazy because I have I have many, many fears, right? Like, I don't, I think I might be afraid of heights, even though I tell myself I'm not. Because, um, you know, I went ziplining over the jungle and I didn't pee on myself, not one time. Maybe a little bit, but that was because I was drinking. But you still uh, did it. That's what's important. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm with two ladies, right? I can't, I can't not do it. You feel <laughs> me? Like I'm with my, yeah. my fiance. With, yeah. yeah. I'm with my fiance and her best friend. You know, I can't have them running around like, man, he really is a bitch, ain't he? Like, yeah, you can't have that. <laughs> you know, you got to win those battles, right? So 
I have a few fears. Uh, public speaking is one of them. Heights is one of them. And baseball of any kind, playing it is one of them. Until I start to get into it. I'm all glove, no stick. You feel me? I, I cannot hit. Uh, I, I always try to swing too hard. And especially in softball, that's the wrong thing to do. But I got to be in a clubhouse with Curtis Granderson, with Jason Kipnis, with Jim Tomey. Like, you're talking about, like, real dudes, right? Like, Curtis Granderson had a terrific career. And Jason Kipnis didn't have too bad a career. Like, he was outstanding. And then Jim Tomey. Like, Jim Tomey is Hall of Famer, Jim Tomey. And I love the fact that when we all were around the circle in the clubhouse, uh, everybody's saying their names. Like, you got people who aren't Jim Tomey, and like myself. And then you get to Jim Tomey, and he's like, hi, guys, I'm Jim Tomey. And the whole room goes up. You know, Jared Payton, uh, you know, shout out to Jared. He was in there. Chris Lofton, you know, of, uh, you know, Stars fame, and Barton Fitzpatrick, and a whole bunch of people here in the city uh, who came together for a good cause for Curtis Grandison, right? And and the people over there at CBEA, CBEA. Uh, make sure you're following them at CBEA underscore UIC. Uh, you know, it's a group that brings people together to raise awareness, raise funds, uh, and just raise the the happiness levels <laughs> of kids around this city who want to get engaged in baseball but don't have the means or don't have the resources in terms of getting to fields. But Curtis Grandison's feel. Uh, in the University Village area of Chicago is outstanding. Like, man has done so much for not only his community back here in the Chicagoland area, but in places he's played before. And I've all, always heard great things about Curtis Granderson, but man, meeting him, like, you ever meet a dude, you're like, God damn, this this can't be real, right? Like, like, like he can't be this nice. He can't be this clean cut. Like, he can't be this on point with everything that he says, how he moves, right? But that's that dude, right? And and I was happy to get involved with uh with that organization. Shout out to my guy Anthony Ray, uh, who's actually on the men right now, minor league baseball player, um, you know, family to Corey Ray, uh, of Milwaukee Brewers fame, seventh pick overall, I believe it was what, twenty seventeen, somewhere around there. Uh and he's of course out of Jackie Robinson West. So he's, you know, he's down with the crew. Uh but it was cool, man. You know, softball I I, I played in softball leagues before and I did the same thing I did when I played in softball leagues, which is jam my fingers and, uh, you know, pop out a lot. I, I, I had one hit, but I popped out twice, played shortstop, right? I was playing with a glove, really didn't feel good about that. Yeah, they put me at shortstop, Jesse, which was, um, I think I put myself at shortstop. People were just milling around trying to find positions, and I'm just standing there. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, you're going to be shortstop. But I got to I got to about 80% of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Oh, right. That's not yeah, bad. That's not bad. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to start to pop with a little positivity, a little, little, little fun-loving kind of vibes. We, don't worry. We're going to get to the White Sox. <laughs> we're going to get to the White Sox, and we're also going to get to the Cubs with Megan Matamora. But, man, I'm, uh, I think about it. My dad is not from this country. So, usually, baseball gets handed down to you from – uh, a father figure type of person, right? And you know, and shout out to the ladies out there, moms handed down to their to their girls as well and to their sons. But you know, I didn't have uncles who played baseball. I didn't have uh, I don't have a big older brother, 
right? And my dad is from Belize. Baseball wasn't big in Belize. So all I did was watch kids sign up for Little League year after year after year after year after year after year as a kid. And I never did it. My best friend at the time, Laplace Salas, played in Little League, played in Pony League. And I was like, eh, whatever. I'm not really going to have to use this, right? We don't have gym where you, everybody's lining up to play baseball or softball. But man, anytime I play that game, just the, the freedom that you have out there and, and, and running around with the fellas and, you know, raising money for a good cause. They had pigs in a blanket and tacos and all the good shit that I wanted to eat. We did a shot of Patron before the game, which was absolutely a horrible idea, especially since it was like 94 degrees on the field. I was trying to figure out who was going to throw up first, and hopefully it wasn't me. Uh, sprained my ankle. There was a no-slide rule, so I pretty much sat down and scooted into third base. The winning run was on the line. You feel me? I had to do what I had to do, right? You can't be out here, you know, 110%. Shaking. 110% all the time. At all times. At all times. You can't be out here jaking in charity softball games. And then I saw a crowd started to amass in the, you know, down the, down the first base, I mean, down the third base line. Uh, people were standing outside and watching over the fences. I'm like, oh, this is, this is a thing. People are going to see me out here being as unathletic as I could possibly be. But shout out to those guys. It was a great time. Uh, had a great, great, great few hours. I didn't plan on doing anything this weekend, so I knew I was going to go out there, get semi-hurt, and then go on with my day, which is exactly what happened. Because the next day, boy, getting old will beat your ass. I got up, and I put my right foot on the ground, and the rest of my body was like, no, 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 player. Get back in that bed. So I've been hobbling around for the last couple of days, but happy happy that I could uh, be of some kind of service, provide my time or whatever the hell they needed over there at CBEA. Um, make sure that if you're in the area and you want kids to get into baseball, you want kids to get into softball, uh, make sure you look up the good people over there at CBEA underscore UIC on, uh, on Twitter, uh, because they, uh, they, they really care. And it's a bunch of good dudes, a bunch of good gals. We got some great pictures out of the thing, but man, watching Jim Tomey, like I still am a kid and it's funny that, that, um, I mentioned this often about why I got into this and why all of us got into this because we love sports, right? And we love talking sports and we just, we're, we're very blessed to, uh, to get paid to talk about these things and to observe these things. But man, watching Major League Baseball players just do normal things to them and you're like, oh, okay. Like Jim Tomey has not played baseball since what? 20. I'm thinking, has it been 10 years? Has it been, has it been somewhere around there? Like 2010, 2011, somewhere around there? I th- probably before that, no? I think Jim Tomey's last year. What was Jim Tomey's last year, Jess? 2012. 2012. See, I wasn't too far off. 2012. This man hasn't swung a bat professionally in 10 years. The first time up, he hits an inside-the-park home run. And if you know Jim Tomey, you know he doesn't have wheels, right? Like, yeah, Jim Tomey, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't all of a sudden become the svelte Jim Tomey, right? Jim Tomey's still shaped like Jim Tomey out here, like a big barrel chested slugger that he is. The man hit a softball, right? Hit a softball at least, at least 415 feet. And we had actually, there was a, a former Red Sox that was out there in the outfield, My, uh, Red Sox and uh, Cub, uh, Michael Bowen. 
he he tried to chase down Jim Tomey's fly ball. I'm like, nah, man, just go ahead and let him run around the bases and score, which is what he did, right? Jason Kipnis is out there turning plays at second base. You know, you don't want to hit anything over to him. And then Curtis Grandison, just, you know, still in great shape. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool. You know, I, I got it. I got my weekend off to a, a terrific start sports-wise. And then I followed it up here on this beautiful Sunday by watching some Chicago Sky basketball. I watched the Sky against the Connecticut Sun. And I'm going to tell you all now, I used to get made fun of on the score when I was working there as a kid because I watched WNBA basketball, right? They used to say, oh, you're watching that? Nobody's watching that. Why are you watching that? And I was like, all right, cool. And then over the, I don't know, the last few years, um, I've gotten back into it. Slowly but surely, and especially last year with the Chicago Sky winning the championship and getting a chance to watch them a lot more this year. I'm going to tell you all something right now, man. For all the angst and all the aggression that <laughs> these Chicago teams supply for you, if you if you want like a little, a little dessert every once in a while, it should be your main entree. Don't get it twisted. But if you want something that's going to cleanse your palate or make you feel better about this city sports, the Chicago Sky have the best team in the WNBA right now, again, right? They go up against the Connecticut Sun uh, and Alyssa Thomas this eve- this afternoon, I should say. That's the other thing, too, man. You know, you got games over there at noon on, at Wintrust Arena. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Uh, of course, you know, you got to figure out, like, the demographic that they're shooting for, and hopefully the consumers are out there um, uh, you know, digesting the product. But they got six players who score in double figures, right? They got Allie Quigley, they got Courtney Van... Courtney Vandersloot was outstanding tonight, 22 points and five assists, one of the better defenders still in the game. And I always think it's interesting, too, to watch them because Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot are married, right? So I always try to watch for, like, that that married couple, like... Um, Sixth Sense thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, do you know where I'm at? Do I, do I know where you're at? Are you <laughs> mad at me tonight? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of vibe. Like, did we get into it on the car ride over here? Like, that kind of thing, right? So, yeah, you know, shout out to Allie and Courtney um, and Candace Parker. Still one of the best passing uh, bigs in WNBA history. Was out here back cutting them to death. Uh, Kalia Cooper. Kalia uh, Copper got off to a, a slow start, but, you know, she's the leading scorer on the team. They got six people scoring double digits. Uh, and I would like to talk to Rebecca Gardner at some point, too, because to be a 10-year professional veteran and then have it be your first season in the WNBA is something. Like, out of Michigan State, she's 32 years old, right? She's played overseas. She's played in, in you know, several different uh, cities in the WNBA. I'm sorry, not in the WNBA, but several different uh, basketball leagues. and. Now, she, she's supposed to be one of the pieces, quote-unquote, star in your role, kind of off-the-bench player for the Chicago Sky. And she's played her role to a T, right? Like, shout-out to James Wade and everybody involved over there with the Chicago Sky because for everything that the Bears and the Sox and the Bulls <laughs> are going to put you through and the Blackhawks are going to put you through and, of course, the Cubs, who we're going to get a chance to talk about here pretty soon, the Chicago Sky is still doing their thing. And the tickets aren't expensive. Uh, if you can chart out maybe two hours on a Saturday or on a Sunday, get over there to Wintrust Arena. It's a good product. It's a really, really good product. And 
those ladies can hoop. I'm talking about like the, the, the sixth sense of knowing when to cut, knowing when to back cut. Uh, what they did to the Connecticut, Connecticut Sun was turn them over early, got out on the break, and got rid of them in the first quarter. The offense kind of stagnated a little bit in the second quarter. Connecticut came back, but second half, they took care of business. So shout out to James Wade, Candace Parker, and everybody over there at the Chicago Sky because they are the best team in the WNBA. And if we're looking at satisfaction and, and, and what you are uh, out here uh, offering your, your clientele, Chicago Sky might be footing the bill better than anybody in the city right now. So got a chance to watch that a little bit. And then, and then... I watched White Sox baseball. I got a chance to watch the White Sox split with the Texas Rangers. Remember that whole 19 games against teams below 500? Hey, remember how that was supposed to be the, the reckoning for this team? Well, guess what? They're, they're, I believe two games over 500 during this stretch. And I don't know what I was thinking, but the Sox, only a few games over 500. So we're talking about them playing teams that are below 500 like they're not right there at the Mendoza line. Or well, not the Mendoza line, right? But at the 500 mark. The Mendoza line is 200. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what to... I don't know what to say. Because the White Sox... This Rangers series showed me a lot. It showed me that Dylan Cease is still the man. What is it? Is it 12 straight outings or two or one or no runs given up, like, he's capping it at two. If you can get D- Dylan sees two or three runs, you're going to get yourself a win. Problem is, problem is, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, right, the, those are the guys that need to get it going. Lucas Giolito pitched well today, right? They put up a seventh spot. He went out there and did what he had to do. No clean innings in the first three or four, which, which um, it stands out. Because Lucas Giolito with a five plus ERA in what it in what it's supposed to be, right? We go back to 2019 where Lucas had his breakout season. You thought that this was going to be a guy who was going to be at the top of the AL for the foreseeable future, barring any unforeseen injury. And this year, for whatever reason, the spin rate hasn't been there. Uh, his changeup tonight was it, it was dancing in the, the second go round through the lineup, but. First go around, he didn't really have the ears on it. Um, Steve Stone was talking about him digging into his glove, and Len Casper was doing a game with him. Jason Benetti uh, was 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 out, so they were talking about him digging into his glove the same way because he's had a he's had a propensity to tip some pitches, so he's got to dig in there the same way each time. And I don't know if that's been happening throughout this season or what, but they've got to they've got to shore up not just the starting pitching, but the offense. The offense. Tim Anderson's going to be sitting out for two games. Uh, he, he got one of those games out the way today. Two games for bumping the umpire, or making contact with the umpire, appealed down from three. Uh, Lennon Sosa not playing. Uh, I, I don't know what that's about, right? Throwing Larry Garcia and Josh Harrison out there. I know that the Sox feel like all these games are important and you, you don't want to throw a rookie out there just to have him sit on the bench. Uh, when it's time to call back Reynaldo Lopez or when it's time to bring Tim Anderson back. But I do want to see him play if this is part of the future of not only your middle infield, but a guy that you are going to have in the lineup at some point in the next year or two. I do want to see him play. But the thing that bothered me the most, thing that bothered me the most, uh, and this is, 
I want to be very careful how I do this because I have a lot of respect for this dude. And he's a teammate. But the thing that bothered me the most was when Tony La Russa got caught on camera sleeping uh, in the first inning of a baseball game the other night, Steve Stone, who has been a terrific broadcaster all my childhood and my adulthood, um, whether it be with Harry Carey, whether it be uh, with Lynn Casper, whether it be with Jason Benetti, whether it be with Hawk Harrelson. Steve Stone has had a, always had a certain way of doing things. And sometimes he might turn people off because people, oh, he's smarmy and he sounds like he knows it all. He, yeah, it's a, it's a turnoff. No, not to me. Just give me the game. Tell me what you see and tell me what you're feeling. And we, we move on from there. I, I don't have this, this announcer angst that a lot of people have, whether it be basketball, football, baseball. Like There are times where I got to sound off where I'm not watching games. So I, I don't go through it the way some people do. But what bothered me, what bothered me was the fact that Steve Stone went on the local radio station here in the city and mentioned that the cameraman and the producer were at fault more so than Tony La Russa because he closed his eyes during a game and he got caught doing so. So that's on the cameraman and the producer. Now, if it wasn't Steve Stone and it was someone else, I would call it sucker shit because we all know that defending Tony La Russa is easier to do, right, than not shitting on a producer or a cameraman who's back there doing their job. You mean to tell me during a baseball game when you've got three hours and there's a lot of silence and a lot of time between pitches and a lot of time between at-bats and a lot of time between, you know, um, half innings, guys are out there trying to find things. Guys and girls in those production trucks and in, in, in those in those uh, control rooms, they're trying to find things to accentuate the broadcast. So you mean to tell me I can't put my camera on the manager in the first inning of a baseball game because you should know he's going to be asleep? Nah, man, that's not the way to play it. That's not the way to run it. Uh, to me, that's fronting on people that you know you could front on just so you could throw a little you know, you could shoot a guy that you respect or the manager of the team a little bail, right? And I don't know if this is from the the the, the people upstairs or like, hey, take some of this pressure off of Tony La Russa. But putting it on the producer and the cameraman, nah, that's weak sauce to me, right? And And no disrespect to Steve Stone, but I know what those guys and girls do behind the scenes. And I'm sure they didn't feel good about getting thrown under the bus like that. So I got to call out what I see when I see it. I don't, I didn't, I don't like when Steve Stone tells the fans, Hey, if you don't like this team, keep it moving. We don't need you. And that was 20 games ago that he was doing that. And now you still look at this team and then the, the gripes that the fans had still apply. So that's one thing. But when we're talking about teammates, right? I understand Tony LaRusa is the manager of the team. I understand Tony LaRusa is on a little bit of a hot seat for the way that this team has performed, and rightfully so, right? He's a big boy. He's been in Major League Baseball for four decades. He can handle it. And also, if he's falling asleep during a game, then, you know, that's on him, right? I just, 
I didn't like how it looked. I didn't like how it sounded. I didn't like how it came off. And I think Steve Stone is better than that. Now, I'll probably get some blowback for this. Don't really give a shit, though. Uh, I'm here representing for the people who are behind the scenes that make people who have microphones in front of them look and sound very good. Uh, I've been a producer before. I've been a sound person before. I fucked up in those jobs, too. And nobody hurts more than the people who are doing those jobs when they know they screwed up. So, yeah, this is not me shooting bail for anybody. It just seemed a little seemed a little weird in, in, in a White Sox season that has been a lot weird, shall we say. They split the series with the Texas Rangers. They don't make up any ground against the Guardians or the Twins. And now you go forward with the rest of the schedule that you were supposed to be pummeling, pummeling. These 19 games, you're supposed to get right. 13 and 6, 14 and 5. That's what I'm talking about. Because you put yourself behind eight ball with the average baseball that you played uh, for the 106 games before. So, yeah, man, there's something that I was like, eh, that's not cool. And if you zoom out, you're going to see a lot of things with this Sox season that hasn't been cool. It hasn't. It hasn't. It's had a bad taste all year long. It's had an average taste, which is pretty bland all year long. So, for the cameraman and the production crew for White Sox baseball, uh, we see you out here. And please believe Tony LaRusso falling asleep at the wheel wasn't your fault. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cubs talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the Cubs have won the ball game. Can you believe it? Wow. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Megan, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? Uh, you know, just sitting here talking about shitty baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, So, the Cubs pitching has been pretty damn good. Right? Over yeah. since July first. Did I see something crazy? Like they got one of the best, if not the best, uh ERA in all of Major League Baseball. So while we're talking about rebuilds and retools, is this thing going better than it feels? Well, I think coming into the season, when you looked at the Cubs roster, I mean, their starting pitching kind of stood out as an area where, you know, if they're gonna hit their top percentile of what they can be this year, it largely was gonna be behind the rotation. You had a lot of veterans. You had Marcus Stroman, who, you know, is a legit younger arm. Um, you have Kyle Hendricks, who, you know, they were hoping would be back to form. And so, you know, they might not score a lot of runs, but if you're suppressing runs and, and not allowing runs to score, you're giving yourself a chance to win games at least. Um, and so, you know, so many injuries happened. I mean, Wade Miley's basically been hurt the whole year and he's even been good when he has been healthy. Smiley was out for about five weeks with a, an oblique injury. Stroman struggled to get on a roll between um, going on the COVID IL and dealing with COVID. Um, and then he had, you know, an arm issue. So it was really hard for this group to kind of get on a roll. And now you're seeing, 
you know, what this group could have been. And, you know, I don't necessarily think it would have sprung them into contending with the Cardinals and Brewers, you know, for a division title, but maybe they're closer to their top percentile of what this team could have been had the rotation been doing this in April and May and not suddenly doing this in August. So I think you're seeing the potential of it. There's some interesting pieces, Keegan and Steele, um, Mm. Thompson and Justin Steele look like the real deal. And that is huge for them going into next season. You're going to have Stroman again. You hope that, you know, Kyle Hendricks, who's going to be on the last year of his guaranteed deal next year comes back and is like the veteran guy that they expect him to be. So there are really intriguing pieces there that, yeah, make you feel like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be a four year rebuild. They can turn things around quicker with the pitching that they have. Megan Matamoro from the Chicago Tribune joining us here on the Fogo podcast, as she has before. She was so good that we brought her back again, and we're going to continue to bring Megan back. She's she's the people's. Uh, Wilson Contreras, right, who says you can't come home again? Uh, he came back to the crib and hit a two-run bomb, won the game. You know, everybody loves Wilson. But some of the things that were said when Wilson was on the way out the door, I found very interesting because, you know, they're certain water carriers in this city who have been designated to do so. And you can just tell when they've gotten, you know, a fresh bucket to carry and all those things about Wilson not handling pitching staffs. And, you know, is he a guy that you want around losing? Right. Which, you know, is a, is a fair, uh, fair assessment, a, a fair uh, question to raise because some guys can't deal with losing. And do you want them to kind of stifle the development of the kids because they're so upset with losing. Now that Wilson Contreras is going to be a cup for the rest of the season after the trade deadline, what's the tenor? What, what What's the feeling and the vibe in the clubhouse after you get over the, he's so happy to be back here? I mean, I, I think, you know, he's well loved by his teammates and understandably so. And of course they're happy to have someone of his talent and caliber. And I think something that's really stood out these last couple months is you know, the leadership aspect to it, you know, especially to Nelson Velasquez, Christopher Morrell, two young uh, fellow Latino players. They've really, you know, leaned on him for advice. And, you know, I understand the criticisms of him defensively, you know, in terms of pitch calling, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase that. But I, I, one thing that has really stood out in all the stuff that was, you know, all the guys we talked to pre and post trade deadline, something that Marcus Stroman said before the trade deadline really stood out to me. And that was, he's a guy that, you know, is going to bring it every day. And that is hard to find. And this is a guy who's played on different teams and played with a lot of different types of players in his career. And for him to say that about Wilson, I think says a lot about who he is. And, you know, even after those first couple of games in St. Louis, after the trade deadline, you could just see that he, he wasn't carrying the weight of the unknown. Um, you know, he had a hustle double. I mean, he's a guy that has throughout the season, it doesn't matter how much they're down by, unless they're telling him like, unless he's nursing a hamstring thing, he's busting it down the line on a ground out. I mean, and and those guys are valuable to have even on bad teams. And so, you know, he talked about how, yeah, last year it, it took him some time to learn how to lose basically because it, he had never been around that in his big league career before last year. And so 
I don't think that is as much of a problem as it might be for some guys um, because he it just so much enjoys playing the game and, you know, being with his teammates. And um, yeah, I think it's just been a very, it's been interesting just the, the week to 10 day lead up. And then those couple days after just hearing what he had to say. I mean, when we talked to him, you know, after the, the night, after the trade deadline passed, I mean, he couldn't keep a smile off his face. And like, and if you're the Cubs, I understand he's on the wrong side of 30, but you should want guys who want to be here and who clearly love the organization, love their teammates, you know, are just happy to be wearing a Cubs uniform. And I understand there's the business side of it as well, but I I think there are compelling reasons why you consider extending him. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. He kind of got screwed over by not trading, not being traded because now the qualifying offer comes into play. And you know what? I mean, I don't know if I would rule out that he would potentially accept it. I understand that takes another year away of free agency, but he's it's probably going to be close to a $20 million salary for a year with an organization he loves, you know? So I don't know how much the front office took that into consideration when, you know, opting to hold on to him because, you know, apparently they didn't get the value they wanted in return. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of not only like these last couple of weeks, but what transpires in the offseason. These at bats for the rest of the se- this season for Nico Horner and Christopher Morrell and, you know, uh, McKinstry and, and, and Nelson Velasquez. Who, who has to be moved around and moved out the way so you can see what you have with some of these younger players? Well, you already have one domino fall and David Bodie getting option to AAA. I mean, this is a guy that, is still, I think it's two years over nine million owed, um, which is a lot for a utility guy that's not a utility guy in the majors right now. Um, so I think that was one piece. Um, you know, they just uh, DFA'd Andrelton Simmons, so there's another infielder gone. Um, so I think you're going to kind of see those guys move around. I think you're going to see Patrick Wisdom play some more first base. Um, so you're going to give Christopher Morrell a look at third base. You have Zach McKinstry that can play third. So there's some spots open. And really, I guess the next question mark would be, you know, do you try and find some more outfield openings? If there's guys at AAA you want to look at. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I think, I think you have a pretty good idea of the bats that they're going to give a look at these last couple of weeks. What's up with the Jason Hayward situation? It is bizarre. I mean, I've asked about, you know, his status multiple times uh, a couple weeks ago before the trade or before the all-star break. Um, you know, David Ross said that basically, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to get ready, that he's staying, he had stayed in contact with him, but he hasn't necessarily been around the team the whole time since he went on the IL in end of June. Um, the other day in St. Louis after the trade deadline, I asked GM uh, Carter Hawkins, like, what's going on with him? Uh, has there even been an MRI? Because d- despite having apparently right knee inflammation, they've done no further testing beyond that. Um, so he basically was just like, he's working back into it and there's no timeline for his return. I mean, I would love to ask Hayward about it. I haven't seen him at his locker to be able to do that. Um, I mean, I think everybody has theories about what's going on, but it's certainly a weird situation given, you know, in the weeks, months, even dating back to last year, you know, the value of Jason Hayward, if he's not hitting well, is his leadership. But you need to be around to 
ideally lead. And so I don't know, it's been a very weird situation. Um, you know, we're supposed to talk to Jed Hoyer tomorrow um, before the Monday series opener against the Nationals. I'm sure that topic is going to come up again, but right. it's definitely odd. And in my 12 years on a baseball beat, I've never seen a situation kind of play out like this. What are we finding out or learning about David Ross during this transitional period? And do you think he'll be tasked with when this thing is ready to go being the manager? I think that's a good question. And I think, you know, when they hired him, they were still kind of in that competitive window where, you know, it's our la- it's a last shot kind of thing. So clearly they believed in him enough that he could lead a winning team. And they did make the playoffs in, you know, the abbreviated 2020, even though that was a quick exit. Um, so clearly they believe he has some sort of intangibles to lead a winning team. I mean, some of the things that stand out now, I mean, I, I, I think he takes losses still real, really hard, which, you know, when you have a lot of losing that obviously, you know, I think that can take a toll. Um, and I think we're seeing a little bit of his game management style. Clearly part of it is a development reason, but he's comfortable leaving pitchers out to start the next inning and going batter by batter. and potentially bringing in a reliever into a dirty inning. And so I think that's something that's worth noting. And obviously pitching coach Tommy Hadovy is on board with that approach. Um, so I think those are two things that, that stand out. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think the real test will be, you know, can he, when this team is close, can he be the guy that gets them over the hump? Like Joe, you know, Joe Madden came in, brought in a different vibe was exactly what that team needed in that moment. You know, Ross is growing with this team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a couple guys on this team that he was teammates with. Um, and so I think it's just going to be interesting when they get close, you know, is he, is he going to write make the right in-game moves? You know, is he, you know, he has a really trusted bench coach and Andy Green, a former manager who, you know, can help with that stuff. But ultimately it's going to come down onto him and how is he going to handle criticism? You know, because criticism now doesn't really mean a whole lot when a team isn't going anywhere. So I think that's the thing that I'm most interested in seeing is is how does he handle that as a guy who was, you know, a backup catcher, Grandpa Rossi, you know, like he he never was a guy that really came under fire during his playing career. So, you know, how how is that going to be handled when that time comes? I think that's going to be the most interesting thing because you know, that can make or break a manager and, and how he handles his team. I see that uh, there is a uh, a London series, a London trip coming up. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, are you going on that trip? Are you already are you already booked That's and ready plan. to roll? I, I haven't booked anything, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I can't I can't say I wasn't excited when I saw a, a London yeah. series uh, become official. Um, so, you, I mean, have you ever been to London? I have not been to London. I, I have been to Europe, but not London. So I am, I'm looking forward to, to checking that out. Um, but I do think it's interesting. And I, and I don't know if this ever came up in CBA talks, but I mean, you have a, a team in the Cubs that are clearly rebuilding and, you know, do things like these need to be incentivized? Like, you know, if you're a rebuilding organization, mm. even a premier one like the Cubs, do you deserve to get games like this? They're playing in the field of dreams game, you know, coming up this week against the reds, which I'm sure major league baseball did not envision the rosters looking like this when they were chosen (laughs) last year. Um, 
And I guess like if you're MLB, you have to hope that, you know, you're the Cubs are going to be bringing, you know, a better looking lineup than they have right now next, next June to London. But I, but I think that's an interesting thing. And like, you know, why do teams get to, to reap the benefits and being in these marquee games if, if they're not investing in their team? So that was, that was just a thought that came to my mind, you know, just thinking that they got chosen for another one of these games and, you know, they're rebuilding, retooling, however you want to term it, but they're clearly not the team they potentially could be. Yeah. London's like, damn, man, y'all keep sending bullshit over here like the Jaguars and Dolphins. Now all right. of a sudden you're sending, you're sending this minor league lineup over right. here. Yep. <laughs> they, know they'll, they know they'll sell tickets, though. So, oh, I mean, 100%. <laughs> 100%. And you'll enjoy it too, by yeah. the way. I, yeah. I I had a chance to go to uh, London for the Bears Raiders affair a couple nice. of years ago. And that was, uh, it was a great time. It was yeah. a great time. Yeah, <laughs> Bears fans know how to get it in, even in London. So I, I can only imagine what Cubs fans are getting ready to oh, do to I, London. Yeah, I, I can believe it. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like, hey, wh- where's a lawn that we could pee on here? It's right. usually, <laughs> usually around 1020 <laughs> on a weeknight. I'm, I'm usually pissing on a lawn. So yep. can, can we can we find one here so I can feel more like home? Oh, oh Lord. Gosh. All right, so as this, as this season, you know, you know 45, 50-game sprint here, uh, what should Cub fans be looking at? Or what are you looking for in terms of, you know, not just covering the team, but charting the growth? Like, what what needs to happen now that you're not worried anymore about the Wilson Contreras stuff, the Ian Happ stuff? Uh, you know, you're getting hopefully a little bit healthier, like you mentioned with Miley. What, what needs to be charted and tracked so that this thing feels like it's going in the right direction headed into next year? Yeah, I think a couple things. First thing that comes to mind is, like, there's certain guys that you need to see get through the season healthy. Like number one, Nico Horner, you know, he's dealt with injuries, you know, throughout his young minor league career. I think it's really important that he finishes it out strong. I mean, he's been playing, you know, stellar baseball and, yeah, that, he is. and that he he gets through it without an injury. I mean, I think that's big, especially at this point, an injury might mean you're rehabbing into the off season. So I think that's big. Um, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, getting them through a full season, even if you have to, you know, maybe skip a start or two um, because they're already exceeding career high in innings, but, you know, getting them through the season. So they, their body and and their mind knows what it takes to get through that um, because you, you don't know until you do it. And so if you want to set them up, you know, to even have bigger roles next year and, you know, potentially have a postseason run next year, like, you know, those guys need to know how it feels going April you know, into October. And so I think that's really important. Um, I think Seiya Suzuki, I mean, this, you know, when they signed him, they basically were like, you know, this is a learning year for him. You know, we're expecting struggles. You know, he's, he's so, he's shown some good things since coming back um, from the injured list. But I think like him continuing to get comfortable and, you know, learning pitch pitchers and continuing to get those, those at bats, it's really important. I mean, I think, you know, everyone has seen the flashes of what he can be and, you know, all of it shows like, yeah, this guy can be a star player offensively and defensively. And so yeah. I think it's, it, it, you know, making sure he continues to get that experience is really important. Um, yeah. And, and I think figuring, and then the other thing is just like figuring out those other pieces, you know, do they have these guys in the bullpen that emerge, you know, like they kind of had last year, you know, a, a Scott F Ross that ended up turning into a really big trade piece, you know, 
a guy like Brandon Hughes, you know, can this guy be more than, you know, just a mid-inning guy? Can he, you know, take down big outs? Can Rowan Wick, you know, be a consistent eighth, ninth inning guy? Um, and then, you know, figuring out what some of these pieces are. I mean, Nick Madrigal, his bat has looked better since he went back down on rehab assignment. You know, he had a hit today. Um, you know, is this guy, you know, your second baseman for next year? Um, I think those are questions you have to answer because, you know, if you're going to go pursue, you know, a premier shortstop, you know, what's the domino of that? You know, is, is, is Madrigal staying at second and you're then moving, you know, Nico to center field or something. So I think you need to figure out the, those pieces and what you have. And if, if you feel like you can count on them in an everyday role for next season. Well, those questions will be answered, hopefully, by you and the people who are covering this team. And hopefully the team will continue to read your stuff uh, in the Chicago Tribune. Thank you so much for jumping on with us, Megan. I truly appreciate your time, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Megan Matsumoro right here on the Full Go Podcast. Coming up next, we will break down the Chicago Bears. Tevin Jenkins actually getting in some team reps and the secrecy that is coming out of Hallis Hall. We'll do all that next with Josh Schrock from NBC Sports Chicago. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 12-31-24. Excludes tax must up into rewards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Oh, my God. How, how are you, though? How's everything, man? How, how's good, the... Man. Uh, How's the, I, I would say, the offseason now into the season treating you? But um, this this team, dude, this team. Uh, Te- yes. <laughs> it's a bad Te- football team. Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins is doing individual drills, and hey, he's allowed hey, to got, speak. We got, some, we got some team reps today. Oh, okay. Tell me more. We got some, some team reps and shells with the third team. That's what you're looking for. So is that the because I I joked about it with the with the with the guys on the pod last pod about it but is that are shells considered now the big afro helmets like is that what we talking now <laughs> no those are called uh, those are called guardian caps guardian caps yeah, yeah oh the, there the you NFL go and it's and it's marketing wisdom and wisdom calling them guardian yeah. caps there you go there you go no shells three, just mean- three for nine ninety nine at, at the at the gas station too yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> look at Shell. Josh. Hey Jesse, look at Josh. Josh is like, oh fuck, I thought oh, I was gonna shit. come on here and just talk God. football with this. Getting t- roasted. <laughs> <laughs> You're never gonna talk what you expect to talk Ever. with the Jay. Ever. Ever. Hey, Ever. That's, that's that's all right. That's all right. I've talked enough about a bad football team. Uh no, the shells just means they weren't in full pads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. it's a light well, it's a light day, you know. Well, I want a guardian cat from here right, on out. I'll get you I'll get you I, one. I, 
Yeah, I, I, need to, I need to. I need to walk in the party with the. I'll big. run on. I'll run the field and steal Tevin's. He's not using it. <laughs> but like, I remember. I'm old enough to remember the double helmet dudes back in the day. Like, um, I think Mark Kelso was one. I think Steve Diossi was one. Where you had that helmet, and then another helmet like landed on top of it. I don't know if that was, that oh, was yeah. back in the days when it was like but your bell West got Walker, rung. Wes Walker was looking like uh, Kazoo. Yes, the, with the, yes. the concussion helmet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think on 2K, he had the big helmet too yeah. on West. Oh, 2K football. Yeah. God rest 2K football, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Dante Culpepper. Yeah. Dante Culpepper was an absolute monster. So yeah. where, where, uh, where do we stand with this, the Chicago Bears team? You still got no Roquan? Yeah. Tevin Jenkins is now getting team reps. Like what? Catch us up. Yeah, so they just wrapped up day 10 of uh, camp. Roquan Smith is still on the pup list with um, an undisclosed injury that I think we can say is uh, contract- contractual. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a checkbook injury. His pockets are hurt. Is what they call it. Yeah, his pockets <laughs> and his ego are a little bruised. So he's upset. He's not He's not practicing. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, uh, you know, they wouldn't discuss his injury, so they wheeled him out to take all of our questions by himself with, with no... Uh, with no support. So he took some incoming fire for eight minutes, 32 questions, didn't say a lot and, uh, and left. Um, but yeah, he took a couple team reps. Uh, he was, he was at one point, he was at right tackle today with Justin Fields at quarterback and Larry Borman left tackle. It was a weird makeshift line that I don't think we're actually going to see. Um, and otherwise it's just the offense is not good. It's very clunky. It's very early in the install. And the problem is it's not Justin Fields fault. Like you watch Justin Fields and you're like, oh yeah, that's, there's talent there. I mean, he's really athletic. He's got a huge arm. He makes some impressive throws. And then you watch like the entire unit. And you're like, man, how is this team going to move the ball? Like they're they're actually pretty good in the red zone. Like they've had some really cool run game wrinkles where they bring an extra blocker and, and let Justin Fields kind of use his legs in the short red zone, which is going to be a nice wrinkle. But mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't know how they're going to get to the red zone. So if you had to fashion a guess. Left tackle to right tackle. What do you think the opening, de- barring any unforeseen injuries, what do you think talent, uh, investment, development, names that are that are being bandied about, what do you think left tackle to right tackle is going to look like game one against the 49ers? Yeah, left tackle, I'm pretty confident it's going to be Braxton Jones. Mm. I'm pretty confident. They really like him. Um, he's taken all the first team left tackle reps. Um, he got absolutely baptized by Robert Quinn today. Um, so you know, I think that's just going to happen. Um, so I, I think he'll be left tackle. Cody Whitehair is pretty cemented at left guard. If Lucas Patrick is healthy, he hurt the thumb on his snapping him. He'll be the center. If not, it'll be Sam Mustafer. Eh. Uh, right guard will probably be Michael Schofield. And then I think right tackle is going to be Riley Reeves. They brought him in and we thought it was going to be for left tackle. And it's pretty clear that Larry Borum is not the answer. Mm. So Larry Borm and Tevin Jenkins, the guys who got reps last year, and obviously Tevin didn't because of the back, but the guys who were getting reps last year, they, uh, they're they not in the plans to start yeah, the season, the off- you think. The offensive lineman GM came in and got a look and was like, no, this is not it. This is not it. This ain't it. This ain't it. And now I'm thinking Robert Quinn baptizing people. And for me, it's just like him like putting a wad of dip spit on a little baby's head. You know what I mean? You know, Robert's, <laughs> Robert's in vet mode. You know, he's wearing sweatpants. He does a rep and just smokes someone. He's like, well, I'll take my helmet off. Yeah, I'm I, good. St- I'm I, st- good. I, st- I still got it. I still got right. it. I'm good. I'll right. see if we won. I'll see if we won. I, I, love, I love when brothers dip. 
I, I don't know why. I know it's bad for your health. It just it doesn't. You. you know, you don't see it often. Like you don't yeah. see the brothers with a big <laughs> wad in their mouth. Like, oh, okay, this is a cowboy right we here. We do not promote that. We do not promote <laughs> such behavior. It is it, it is hilarious, but we do not promote it. Right. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Justin last yeah. time. I talked to Pat Finley, the last pod. Uh, he talked about uh, Justin needing to show some things even though everybody's all in on his talent and his raw materials, uh, what do you think Justin has to show knowing what he has to work with here? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. He has to show the ability to handle and bounce back from adversity because there's probably going to be a lot of it, right? He can't let sacks or drop passes or people you know, running the wrong routes, whatever it is, get to him. And he's shown... He's shown early on an ability to to do that. I mean, he threw a couple of picks one day and bounced back and had like four straight touchdown passes. So he's, uh, I think that's important. And I think what it's going to come down to for Justin and the offense is there's a difference between progress and production, right? So you're going to want to see the offense look better, but that doesn't mean it's going to result in what you as a fan probably want it to. But what right. the Bears are going to look at is, okay, like maybe he doesn't have his full comment weapon but can he modify and adjust the offense to make it to make it at least flow and work and maybe that's not chunk plays maybe that's not anything splashy for the first 4 5 6 weeks cuz that's how this offense is probably going to look but if Justin can show them especially Monday through Friday that he understands the offense he's a leader and that if they invest in the offense next offseason the way they didn't this offseason um he can really make it work i think that's what they're going to look for and consistency right he's got to Last year was probably not his fault. Most of it's not his fault. Matt Nagy was on some Matt Nagy stuff. Um, but, you know, Justin, just he's just got to be better with the football. He's got to make quicker reads. Um, so it, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of little stuff that fans on Sundays probably aren't going to be able to see, right? It's going to be on the staff and the evaluation Monday through Friday, maybe. What's going on with Kyler Gordon? Uh, he's really good, but not practicing currently. Why is he? <laughs> Uh, see, the Bears have decided that it is, what is it, August 7th? Uh, as of August 7th, they're the CIA, and we're not going to talk about uh, any sort of injuries that are uh, called minor or day-by-day. Day. They're going to they'll tell us that Byron Pringle's going to be out for a couple weeks with the quad, but just in case John Lynch is listening, we're right. not going to talk about Kyler Gordon maybe as a sore whatever for a couple days. Wow. wow. That's, so that's this the company is- line, but Kyler Gordon on the field has been tremendous. Is he the best player in that secondary? No, I think Jalen Johnson is special. I think Jalen Johnson is is a lockdown corner who really seems to have taken on a leadership role. Um, but maybe in maybe in two or three years, Kyler Gordon. I mean, if he can play the nickel and play outside right away and do it in the way he's shown he can do it in practice. Now, the problem with <laughs> looking at the Bears' offense right now is or Bears' defense. They're going against the Bears' offense, so I'm not really sure how good they are because the offense is so bad. But they've been really good. And I think Kyler Gordon uh, is incredible in coverage. He's a ball hawk, and he's a super smart guy. Um, so I think I think Ryan Poles uh, really nailed those first two picks. Because him and Jaquan Brisker have been special. You mentioned, well, Jaquan Brisker. That's the other thing, too. Um, when you've got two guys who are going to get a lot of time in your secondary who are rookie players, uh, what you got to... There's built in, there's going to be some issues. There's going to be a learning curve. What's going to balance that in terms of this defense? Because, you know, there's no Akeem Hicks. There's no Khalil Mack. There's no some of these veterans that were making plays, but also were hurt a lot of a lot of the last sure. few years. Eddie Goldman as well. Like, who, who's going to be the balance on this team outside of Roquan Smith defensively? Like what you mentioned, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, obviously has got to bounce back. But what, what, where's this thing going to find its level if they're an average defense or better than average? 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to come down to probably the front four because the only team that's blitzed less the last four seasons than the Bears is Matt Eberflus's Colts. So the Bears just probably are not going to blitz, right? They're going to rely on Robert Quinn, Justin Jones, Travis Gibson, Alkany Muhammad, these guys to get pressure. Uh, and if they don't get home, then they're going to have to dial up something exotic with Roquan or maybe Kyler. He's talking about blitzing the secondary. Um, but I think the secondary is going to be good. Like you said, they're young. There's going to be mistakes. We've seen Kyler Gordon already kind of gamble and get beat by Bayless Jones. So those, those are, that's going to happen. Uh, but it's really going to be on that front four of the pass rush because the Bears are not going to want to blitz very much. So who has to be the Bears' second leading receiver this year? <laughs> who has to be? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's got to be Equinemius St. Brown. Hmm. I like Bayless Jones a lot. I just don't know how they're going to use him. I think he might be more of a pop pass, sweeps, you know, screens. Get, just get Package the ball plays. His, yeah, get the ball in his hands. He's so fast and he can be a playmaker, but the routes aren't crisp enough for me to see him being your starting X probably. But Equinemius St. Brown is a Luke Getzey favorite. He knows the offense. Justin Fields has already talked about, hey, we're all learning, but this guy, he's not making mistakes right now, which is what you want to see, which is why they have such good chemistry in the red zone. He's got a big frame. Um, he's a good jump ball guy. So I would say it's probably got to be him because, I mean, honestly, Byron Pringle has been a complete zero so far. Do we have to readjust the floor for Cole Komet? Man, Cole's been good. I think Cole, uh, and this is an offense that really features tight ends. We've seen a lot of tight end leaks, tight end screens, tight end up the seams. Um, I think he, I mean, receptions as, as a whole, I'd say he's probably got to be your second leading receiver just because he presents a matchup problem and he's so good in that area. And him and Justin have spent the entire offseason. Cole's been down in Atlanta. They've been working hard. Uh, it seems like it's really paid off. So yeah, I've definitely adjusted the floor. I think what you saw from Cole Komet, especially last year, is not what you will see this year if the offense works how it's supposed to, which is a big question mark, obviously. There's seemingly a culture change and a shift uh, going on with Matt Eberflus and, you know, hitting and running all the time and <laughs> yeah. making sure that the pace and the tempo are, are keeping up and you got to bring your guys in from Indianapolis so they can they teach the other players how to speak the language. Obviously, you mentioned Luke Getze and his time with Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, who is having the toughest time adjusting to this culture shift? Man, honestly, no one. I don't okay. think anyone's had our time. Everyone has really bought in, which has been, you know, surprising. I think, you know, you get a guy like Matty Rufus comes in, first-time coach. He's talking about standards, and we're going to run. We're going to do conditioning. And you expect a couple of the vets to be like, I'm not doing that, man. You see my, you see my salary? I'm not, I'm not about to do that. And everyone has been all in. I mean, Eddie Jackson has talked about how much he loves. He loves the staff, and he loves the new standard. Um, and, I mean, they had a couple of really hard practices. I mean, it was what? Jason, 95 degrees yesterday, and they were out yeah. with pads for two hours just running nasty. full blast. It was nasty. And they were all, I mean, they all said it was the hardest practice they'd ever been through, but they were happy about it because they think that's going to get them where they want to go. So I don't think anyone's had an adjustment issue. Now, the question is, if the losses start to pile up, then then is there an adjustment issue? Because right now, it's all it's all great. Who are you looking forward to Bears fans being introduced to on, on a Sunday? You know, like... You know, Valus Jones, you mentioned, there's a lot, there's so many new players on this team. Obviously, when you got a new coaching staff, a new front office, uh, you, 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 there's an overhaul that's taking place. Who, who do you think Bears fans are going to, going to, you know, nestle up to the TV every Sunday, even if, if there's a loss and say, okay, this is, this is one of the guys that I'm glad that, that's the Chicago Bear going forward. 
Yeah, I think I'll give you two. I think one is Jaquan Brisker. I think Bears fans are going to love Jaquan Brisker. I mean, he's just a hard-hitting box safety. The guy just, he just loves to play football. He's always around. He's always around it. He's a key takeaway guy. He's already mm-hmm. adept at the peanut punch. So that's going to, that's going to obviously bring back some good memories. Um, and then I really like Dominique Robinson. He's a fifth round draft pick guy who was a quarterback in high school, trans- changed to wide receiver and changed the defensive end. Uh, he's really rangy. He's really athletic. He's super raw. Um, but he wants to be great. And the bears are really excited about him. I mean, House Hall's buzzing about how good he can be. Uh, it might take maybe a year or two, but I think he's going to pop a couple times this year just with his speed um, and getting the quarterback. What's your background, man? Let, let, let people in on the, you know, on the Shrock experience. You know what I mean? Give me, give me why people should be tuning in and consuming your content going forward. Like, what, what, what's been your journey to where you've landed here on this ridiculous podcast on a <laughs> Sunday night? You know, talking crazy with me. Yeah, first of all, this is, I mean, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. This is fantastic. I'm having, I'm having a great We got to up your standards, Josh. We got <laughs> we to take care of you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, my you, kid you. and my lady don't even want to be with me. Come on, though. Uh, no, man. I, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been all over the place. So I'm from Oregon um, and then moved to Boston, uh, worked for Nesson, covered the, the Celtics and the Patriots. Okay. Then we got to the Bay Area, covered the 49ers and the Raiders and the Warriors. Um, more of a general assignment role. And now, um, now I'm here, man. I, I think the thing about me is uh, I just want to talk about what the people who actually care about these teams want to talk about, right? I think a lot of people uh, who do these jobs uh, want to talk about what, what they think matters. And mm. that's, not, that's not me, right? If, if you're going to be in my mentions all day telling me I need to talk about Mario Edwards <laughs> Jr., then... Okay, let's talk about Mario Edwards Jr. Man, I guess I guess I'll go ask some questions about him. We'll, you go first. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you tell me first, and then I'll go. Right. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think Jason, uh, you'd probably agree. This job in general is it's just fun, right? It's yeah. supposed to be fun. It's sports. Um, a lot of people take themselves too seriously. That's not going to be me. Uh, we're just going to have a lot of fun, and we'll talk about what you, what anyone wants to talk about. I'm. Yeah. I love. I love the discourse. There it is. There it is. In, in dealing with. Uh, PR and dealing with um, ah, these teams over these last, you know, many, I don't know how many years you've been doing this, but how have you, uh, how have you found dealing with the bears and and their new secrecy, (laughs) their newfound secrecy? Cause I'm sorry. Like, I feel like this, Josh, I feel like this, the worse you are, the more open you should be. Yes, and, and, I, compl- and, and I completely, I completely agree. I can, the Patriots can be as secretive as they want to, right? They can, that can and be, that's coming that can to be, an end. That's right, coming yeah. to an end because they, they, you know, they got some seven, seven and ten, eight and nine seasons coming up here. But the worse you are, that's how that you should be. You should throw the doors open, and be like, "Hey guys, come talk to all these fucking bums." Right. <laughs> no. I, I, yeah, I have, I have, the, I have a similar, I have a similar feeling. I think, uh, you know, if you've got the Packers who've won however many division titles in a row, just being like, hey, talk to whoever. You, as a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 10, 12 years, cannot be like, no, you can't talk to this person. We're not going to tell you about this injury. Absolutely not. You want someone for a podcast? No, that's not going to happen. Like, oh my god! You know, I think, like I just said, I just covered the 49ers who are really good, and they're they're pretty open, right? Yeah. I mean, other than. You know, Kyle Shanahan being Kyle Shanahan and telling us that Jimmy and Trey Lance are in a competition, which we all knew was false. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're going to get the lies. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least, I don't, I don't at mind least. the lies. Yeah. I can step that out. That's fine. <laughs> That's part of the relationship. But exactly. at, at, least, uh, ask, at least allow me to ask you a question so you can yeah. lie to me about it. Yeah. You just, feel let me, me? just let me do my job. 
and you do your yeah. job and we'll yeah. go on. We'll go on. Because I don't get it. Like the egg on the face when you get found out for lying about something that people didn't give a shit about is crazy to me. Like I was I, the last Bourbon Aid camp I was at covering for real, for real was the Kevin White draft. And we were running yeah. around. We were. I put some money on the fact that I thought Kevin White was going to have, you know, 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. And every week I got reminded that that wasn't going to be the case ever in terms of career numbers, actually. Um, but when he got the rod put in his leg and all that other shit, and they were running around Bourbon, they were lying to us. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all. I can see that this man is out here, you right. know, walking with a walking boot and crutches and a fresh <laughs> bandage. Like, please stop lying. Why do you... Why is it the the NFL still carries itself like that and baseball and especially basketball don't? Why do you think it is? You've been around these people long enough. I mean, yeah. you've covered all the other sports as well. Like why 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 is the NFL move with that kind of tenor, with that kind of frequency? I think it's the culture and the personality of the people that football attracts to be in charge, right? You have these like super macho football we're gonna hit hard and run everywhere and be manly and not say anything people whereas like basketball and baseball have kind of moved away from that they kind of joined have joined us in the 21st century and football is still pretty regressive it's still kind of back there and like well you know back in the 70s when i was in high school you want to know what we did we ran a lot of gassers and we, didn't, <laughs> and we didn't talk about our feelings and you're like well, okay that's great but it is right. 2022 so maybe right. we just maybe we help each other out here yeah. That's why your dad was in a closet crying every night before <laughs> before he went to come put you to bed because his feelings were stifled. He didn't know what was he didn't know what was wrong with him. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You save that pancreas, Dad. Go talk to somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on, dog. Like, I just I I still marvel at these. Like, if Sean McVay could mess around and do a podcast during yes. the week, yes. Like, yes. you don't want to tell me about Brian. Byron Pringle's injury? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah like, you don't want to just be like, you know what, Tevin, Tevin Jenkins' back is a little bit sore. It's nothing to worry about. We're making sure he's 100% healthy. Cool. All you need to say. Or, or we're going to trade Tevin, and we don't want him oh. on the field, and people are watching him, and we want people to think that Tevin is still in one piece and that he could actually yes. play. Like, so, we will, so, we will, so we will have him block in shells, but not in pads. Uh, in, pa in pads, he will stand there. Yeah, give me give me the <laughs> give me the concussion afro any day of the week. I'll get the you guardian, a guardian cap. Guardian, no, no. From here on out, they're called concussion afros. Concussion from afros. On I out. Like it. I'm That's gonna put it. it. I'm gonna put it in the story. Uh, please, <laughs> hey, if you, brother, if you do, I will. I will, I will have all of my famous <laughs> and successful friends retweet it for you. Okay, so that's it. like three people. That's like yeah, three hey, people. I got you that's back. Three more than I know. My man, I mean, <laughs> Josh, let's do this during the season, man. I appreciate you jumping yeah. on me. Hey, anytime, Jason. Josh Rock from NBC Sports. I, I hope, I hope I didn't get Josh in any trouble. And if he did, you can just blame it on me because then they'll understand. Like, that's what people in this city love doing. They are, oh, Jason, blame it on Jason. Jason asked me a question. I had to tell him the truth. So from here on out, you guys, make sure you're checking out Josh and his content at NBC Sports Chicago as we uh, as we ride through this 5-12 and 12 season. Josh, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. Hey, thanks, Jason. Cheers, man. It's the full goal, baby! All right, that's all the time we have for episode 134 of the Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff. I want to thank our amazing guest, Josh Schrock from NBC Sports Chicago and Megan Montemoro from the Chicago Tribune. 
Thank you to both those fine individuals for keeping us abreast to what's been going on over the last couple of days here in the city with the Bears and the Cubs. We'll have some more Sox talk coming up this week. Don't forget, you can hit us up on the full Go voicemail line at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. Want to thank our production staff, as always. Ah, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the always active Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff, thanking you for listening to this thing, downloading it, subscribing to it, rating and reviewing it, sharing it with your family and friends. Whatever you do for this podcast, I truly, truly appreciate you. As always, we leave you with this on this beautiful Sunday night. Take care of each other and be safe.